Hello and welcome to another episode of Story Time with Dave, and I'm your host, Dave. Thanks for being with me here now. I There's so much to discuss, as usual, when there's a gap between episodes. It's been a little bit. If you didn't listen to the Biden v. Kimmel, then... Or is it Kimmel v. Biden? I tried to make it like Frost v. Nixon. You remember that? You should listen to that. It's really that those are both really strong episodes. Very good. A lot of funny moments. Listen back to them. Just, I was at the top of my game. So definitely go back and listen to those if you didn't. I don't really have, I don't know exactly, there's there's almost too much to talk about right now for this episode that I don't know exactly what to talk about or where to begin, I kind of do. And we'll see where it goes and how it plays out, and I've been learning so much. I've also had a lot going on in my life with my new job, which is excellent. It's great. It's great when things work out that way, where you get fired over something like not wearing a mask when you're crushing it job-wise. That's the funny thing about it. It's like you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. I don't even think I gave a whole rundown of exactly what happened. I think I have an older episode where I kind of explained the situation where I was doing battle with the HR department at my old job. And uh, they were trying to figure out what to do with me because I was a problem because I wouldn't comply. What I'm learning too is like you really need to pick and choose when you're going to not comply and you need to make sure you're doing it in a smart way. For example, when it comes to that vaccine or any vaccine, there's the religious exemption. And I talked about it before that the irony of being in a godless place like New York City where my job was And there's few more godless places. And I mean that insultingly, but also literally that it's everyone in New York is an atheist. Not everyone, but you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of atheists in New York. The concentration is very high. Or at the very least, they're like, I don't know, man, I believe in the universe. I just believe in the infinite space or in the infinite. I just believe in the infinite. I just believe in the universe and the infinite, but I'm not like religious. I think organized religion's bad. I believe more like in the infinite and like consciousness, eternal, you know? So that's what, even though I guess that's like a California guy, but it's the same thing. New York is mostly like, I don't fucking believe in God. Get the fuck out of my face. Although New York is not... (laughs) New York now is more like, I don't believe in God. It's more like that. (laughs) It's less like old New York would have been like, yeah, someone if they believe in God and they'd be like, first of all, no. Second of all, it's none of your fucking business. Get the fuck out of my face. I'll fucking shank your ass. I don't know. 90s New York. Now it's like, I, why would I believe in God or something? Or I believe in the universe. That's more like what it's like now. Taking a sip of water, early one. So, it was the irony of being in New York, being forced to take this science into my body, or risk losing my employment, and the only way out, which ended up working out, was that I had to say, I'm religious, so I won't. And the, the, the city guidelines, if they could have got away with it, they would have just fired me over that, but they couldn't. So clearly there's some laws in place where they were unable to terminate me over that. So they decided to do it for the mask because, and that was, that was the other stupid thing because it was like months went by where... No one had to wear a mask in the office. They took away the mask. So I'm in the office every day. 
No, I wasn't in the, I was there twice a week, not wearing a mask. And that was fine. And then we had this whole ordeal over the, um, the science. And then they said, well, fine, you, you, we accept your exemption, but you have to wear a mask. And I'm like, well, what are people going to think if I've not been wearing a mask in the office for four months and now you're going to all of a sudden make me put one on? Is everyone going to be, oh, well, Dave's, now he's being careful. They're just going to be like, oh, he's not vaccinated. I keep that swine away from me. I always knew he was a dirty Jew, you know, whatever they say. Perhaps in different words. That was just the funny part of it and the annoying part. And then the, there's just so much, so much to it where I'm like, you're, you're making me uncomfortable at work. Aren't you HR? But that's kind of what HR does. HR is like, be on edge at all times. Never say the wrong thing because we'll get you and you'll be finished in this town. That's what HR is for. My new company is great. It's just like, we're just, we're broing out small company. Uh, my buddy runs it and it's just a really good environment and it's fun. So things worked out just like, I wouldn't like, I would have never believed that they could have worked out this well, but it's busy. And I, now I'm like, I'm there. The office is like a 10 minute walk away from my apartment. So it's not that, that part is, is also great. And I'm there every day and I'm, I'm, it's, I'm working now. My last job was very, 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 very easy and a joke. And now I work and it's, but it's good. And you realize that you need that. (laughs) It makes you more productive in other ways as well. Anyway, I want to talk about so many things. You need to listen to those Joe, the, the Kimmel v. Biden episodes, and we've covered that. I wanted to throw something in here because there's one topic I want to get to to begin with, but there's a quick thing I want to throw in first, which is there's always going to be, I don't know what's going to happen because politically things are going to get wacky in a similar way. I would say in a similar way with as with Trump's entry into politics, but his re-entry, that's not even what I'm referring to here. 2024 is going to have a lot of storylines with it. And one of them that I've been thinking a lot about is all of this Hunter stuff. There's, there's enough there to ruin Joe Biden's career and life and family. And they're not pulling the trigger on it. And he seems to be all of the sudden where I thought there was no way he would even dream of running for re-election. It's starting to seem like he's going to. And then I'm wondering to myself, are they, are they forcing him to again? Is he mad at them? And so he's going to say, fuck you, I'm running again. Do they not want him to? That, I, I have no idea what's going on there behind the scenes, but they've got this bomb on their hands that they could just, this, this grenade, they could just toss in Joe's direction and just watch the whole thing explode. So it's like, it's just there. It's so weird. It's weird knowing, usually when there's political, I was just listening to the new, new episode, the latest episode of MoFax, and they were talking about Andrew Gillum, who ran against um, Ron DeSantis in Florida for governor in like 2018, I think. And he was going to be like a player for the Democrats. He was going to be, he might have been their guy going forward. He had that kind of potential and he's just ruined now. He had that whole, there was a big scandal with him being found in a hotel room covered in vomit with a bunch of drugs and men, uh, like a male escort. 
it it turns out to be really sus all of the things where he might have even been a victim where they might have he might have been doing something or talking crazy and they said we're gonna we're gonna destroy you this is what they do that just made me think of something and we'll get back to this but hang on look this i went to the i went to newtown um Connecticut today for a book sale. Newtown, Connecticut is where that thing may or may not have happened. You're, you know the one. And I found this book. I got a big haul. Like, let me count here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I got like 18 books, dude. I ha- I'm, start- I'm building a library, like a full-blown library. I probably have 200 books now. I found this book, and it's got Hill... Hill and Bill, Bill and Hill, on the cover, and it says The Final Days by Barbara Olson. And it's a book, it's a negative book about the Clintons, and it says, the the subheading is The Last Desperate Abuses of Power by the Clinton White House. You turn to the back of the book, it says, Just two days before this book was to be printed, Barbara Olson was killed in the hijacked airplane that was flown into the Pentagon. Dude, could you even make that up? I know they say that. I know they say that a lot. You couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. But they didn't even just get rid of her. They put her on the 9-11 plane. They put her on one of the 9-11 planes. They said, you're going to write a negative book about us and our abuses of power in the White House? We're throwing you on the 9-11 plane. That is so cool. <laughs> I don't even like dislike them anymore. I kind of, I, I think that's so cool. <laughs> don't you think in a weird, in like a sadistic way, don't you think that's cool that they did that? Do you really not think that's kind of cool? I get it. I know how you are and we're changing. I'm changing. And I think you might change with me because I've been getting super into Curtis Yarvin lately and you you might change with me. I'm telling you, I start telling you about this stuff and you might change too. But don't you think that, I mean, look, I'm not saying it's good that they did that, but I'm saying it's a little cool that they did that. And I, I often like will get into character or not often anymore, but I used to more. Where I'm like, well, what would I be as dictator? Not as king. Not as benevolent king. Because I can think about that too. And that could be a different character. But that's not as funny as evil dictator. And if I was in their position and I already had sold my soul and I was, there was, I was doomed to eternal damnation, then you're going to have fun with it. Once you've doomed yourself to eternal damnation... Why not just make it, you couldn't make it worse. That's the point. So like, okay, I'm doomed to eternal damnation because of the things that I've done. You wrote this book about me in a negative light. You're going on, you're taking a trip on the 9-11 plane is what I would say to you. It's going to be your last flight. You're going into the Pentagon. I also don't know what they did with those people because that definitely wasn't a plane. So like, what did they, they, they just took them down into one of the dumps and executed them in one of the deep underground military bases. I don't know. I'm still kind of a conspiracy theorist. I'm learning to balance, but I see in the video, it's not a plane. You can't tell me it's a plane. So whatever. Yes. I'm going to take you into one of the dumps. I'm going to have one of my guys execute you. And I'm going to just say you were on one of the 9-11 planes. I'm not even going to do you the courtesy of putting you on the 9-11 plane. Although execution is a lot better than plane crash. Ways to go out. So that would be my mercy. As a final act of mercy, I would allow you to be executed in one of the deep underground military bases. And I would not put you on the 9-11 plane because we're sending a missile into the Pentagon anyway. So you lucked out this time, Jack. 
that's one thing that I do really appreciate from the Biden presidency is the reintroduction of Jack into the culture. Because that is a good way to end a sentence, Jack. Um, so that made me think of uh, this book. And I wanted to tell you because I saw this. I'm at the book sale. <clears throat> Oftentimes, at these library book sales, you're not going to find these types of books. Even if they have them, they're going to literally toss them. Th these books are disappearing now, you can always go on archive.org or libgen.is or one of these big databases that have free PDFs of the banned books, and you can get them there. But the physical copies are becoming more and more scarce. And another thing that I got, I found these two books. I found a whole box of books written by this guy. Uh, what's his name? Mark Arnold or something like that. Uh, whatever, whatever his name is. I'm trying to. And they're from 1885. And he, there was a whole box of all these different books that he wrote. And he was kind of like a, he was like a critic in 1885. But he wrote these two. And one of them is about like, um, about America, about America, American discourses. And the other one is about, um, anarchy and i was like very curious that kind of shit that's a good book sale when they have the old old books because i realized these are impossible to find and if you go to an old bookstore it's like going to a thrift shop but like in hoboken if you go to the hoboken thrift shop it's not like going to a regular thrift shop this you you're like oh that's a cool 90s reebok jacket and then you look at the price tag it's 180 dollars you go to some of these old bookstores and you're like, that's an awesome book from 1860. I never heard of this guy. And then you open the first page and you see the price tag and it's like $75 for that book. These, I just took two of these. So out of the whole box, I took those two because those interested me the most. And I brought them up to the front and I said, hey, these don't have prices on them. And the guy's like, eh, why don't you give me $2 a pop? I was like, uh, yeah, definitely. So I'm totally going to read those. I want to see what an 1885 guy is talking about when he's writing about American discourses and when he's talking about anarchy. I think that'd be cool. Like a rando. Never heard of this guy. Sorry, I had a long day. My voice is failing me, but we will persevere. I'm not as high energy as usual. We will persevere. Nonetheless, Jack. And look at that. We're already at 20 minutes. Just about. So what I was saying about Gillum is uh, he's finished anyway. So that was different than this Biden situation because with Gillum, I had no idea. And I don't think anyone had any idea. And you're like, this guy's very polished. Now, it's like with Obama, you're the the regime is going to cover for you if they see potential in you and they want you they want to make something of you they will cover for you and obama had that guy and i forget his name hang on i'm going to find the name one sec cuz you got to check this out okay i found it his name is larry sinclair um larry sinclair look him up larry sinclair barack obama and see some of the stuff he said and i think he was the guy he might have been the guy, let me see this, who said that he sucked Barry's dick in a limousine while they were doing lots of blow. Um, what does he look like? Larry Sinclair. Yeah, that's him. And then I think they, did they kill him? I think they just killed him. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, yes. Larry Sinclair was killed. So this is what the regime will do for you. Are you interested in politics? Consider what the regime can do for you if you're a Rhodes Scholar. If you're a Rhodes Scholar, they will, they'll kill for you maybe a couple people, I, Larry Sinclair, 
But at a certain point, they're going to be like, this is on you and you need to do it. Once they give you enough power to do it yourselves, then you're like the Clintons and they're expecting you to do it for yourself. They're not going to do it for you. But when you're a new guy and you're trying to get on your feet and here's someone who's a serious problem, they'll say, we'll give you a freebie. You get us back later. From then on, it's you and, and you're the one who needs to be putting in this legwork. So, with Barry, they buried it immediately. No one ever knew about it. I never knew about it, but I wouldn't have known about it because I thought Barack Obama was really great. And I don't know what my my newest assessment of Barack Obama would be. I mean, I know I was saying um, in two episodes ago that we should just make him the president instead of Joe Biden do a swap right now. And I do think that would still be a better move. But then ask yourself, is the incompetence better? And is it drawing us closer to a collapse where we can truly re-envision the way things could be? And would a collapse be better? And that's a sincere question. It's not trolling. That's a real question. Would a collapse be better Or do we want to just put Barack in and just get some competence back for the immediate term? And how much would we suffer during this collapse? And how long would the gulf be between regimes? Would it be weeks or years? Because if it's years, then you're probably like, then just put Barack in. Because we don't want to deal with that. Things are going well in my life. I don't know about you. And I don't really want to deal with a collapse right now, a whole societal collapse right now. It's just, if things weren't going so well for me, then I wouldn't mind it. But things are going well, so I'd mind it. So, so this Gillum stuff, you didn't see it coming. It came out of the blue. And then all of a sudden now he's, you know, in a not not I mean this happened last year but he got in a huge amount of legal trouble because I guess he must have done something and they said we're dispensing we're, we're washing our hands of you you're finished and he's finished and um, it was very sudden and you didn't see it coming the whole point I was trying to make with that is that when I look at the Biden stuff and I look at the Hunter stuff and they wouldn't even have to go after Joe himself. They could literally ruin him through Hunter. And it does seem clear that, that uh, the big guy, Joe, is involved himself. So they could involve him directly. But I don't even think they'd have to to ruin his political career it doesn't take that much if they want to make it an issue. They don't want to make it an issue. They suppressed it for a year and then begrudgingly accepted the reality of the laptop and Hunter, just how he is. They begrudgingly accepted it, but it was already too late and the damage was done. Or the damage wasn't done. Depends the way you look at the situation. If you like Biden, then you're like, well, uh, that's a good thing that they did that. <laughs> Pardon me. So if it happens to Joe, I'm going to be like, yeah, I know that. I won't be surprised. I think, like, obviously a lot of people will be surprised. Even if it, even if it was so obvious, even if the media was covering it, you'd still have people who would be surprised. The fact that they're not means that you're going to have a lot of people who are going to be genuinely uh, blindsided by this. If they do it, and I, there's, there's no telling whether or not they will, but it's becoming clearer and clearer. I shouldn't even say that. It's been clear since the beginning. It's not becoming any clearer. It's just staying as clear as it was, which is very clear. That Joe is not well. And I would say the deterioration is... Um, accelerating but it's really not because it's been this bad the whole time 
perhaps the frequency is increasing, but it's hard to even tell. I don't watch the guy's speeches. I just watch the clips of the gaffes as they come up. And the frequency seems pretty steady. And it's not good. In fact, it's very bad. It's very bad. Because it's a lot. And it's it's <laughs> like when he's reading the prompter. He just had one this week. I could do, if, if I did bi-weekly episodes... If I did two episodes a week, I would I would have a new Biden clip of him saying something stupid on every episode. That's how often it is. And it's been that way since the start. That's why I'm saying it's not becoming clearer and clearer and it's not accelerating. It's just, this is it. This is what's happening. I did want to... Let me finish this, this point. Well, I think that I finished the point. It's it's weird to, to know that it's there. And they could use it if they felt like it, and they're not. And that's weird. But it'll become more weird as time goes on. Because if he does decide to run again in 2024, I don't think they want him to. It really doesn't seem, why would you want him to at this point? There's no strategic advantage. There was in 2020. But now there's not. Because you, even though Bernie's an insider, he's an outside insider. So I guess they so badly didn't want an outside insider that they wanted an inside insider that they said, Joe, you're doing this. It can't be Bernie. And Joe said, that's fine. At this point strategically, if it's not Joe, it's not going to be Bernie. It won't be Bernie in 2024. So they dodged that bullet and it's too late now. And Bernie's done as far as being viable uh, as a presidential candidate. So if Joe does decide to go, fuck you guys, I'm doing it. And they don't want him to, they'll use this weapon against him, his son. And if they don't, then I'll, I'll be flabbergasted because it's all there. And imagine that being in Joe's position if he was cognizant enough to realize his position because he's in such a bad predicament. It is that they, that it's out there. What would be the analogy? It would be like, it's like, okay, yeah, you're in trouble. It's like sitting at a table with someone. Maybe you're like kind of, being interrogated or you're a hostage. Maybe you got in trouble with like a, a bookie. Maybe you're in a lot of gambling debt. And the gun's on the table. Just imagine like a, a movie scene. And there's a guy and he's Italian and he's sitting back in his chair and he's like, you know, you owe us a lot of money. And you're sitting there and there's a gun on the table. The guy's not holding the gun or pointing it at you. But the gun's there on the table, on his side of the table. And it's, it's just there. And you know they could use it, but they're not using it. And then you're asking yourself, well, do they, they must want something from me. Of course they want the money, but they want, might want some favors too. That's really the situation that Joe's in. But if you become defiant, they're just going to shoot you. So why would you become defiant? And the only reason that I can think of logically of why someone in that position would become defiant would be that they are senile, which is the case. So there could be some fireworks, but that's not for a bit. That's the next election cycle. This upcoming one, 2022, I don't think it'll be that wacky. I think it'll be pretty straightforward. I was thinking about this, like, they keep showing these... Um, they keep, this is like a, become a meme. I gotta find it on my phone. It's at. This might just be a local bookstore. I'm not sure where they took this. It might be at um, Barnes and Noble, but it's the banned books section. It might just be a local store. I don't know. It's so cringe. And does anyone? Does it? Wow. Did, can you believe they're carrying to kill a they're carrying to kill a mockingbird? 
Well, I thought that book was banned. They're carrying it at the local bookstore. They're carrying it at the local bookstore, Jack. I am... They, can you believe the talk of the town is the local bookstore is carrying 1984. They have a whole section of banned books such as 1984. Hey, did you hear the news? Did you hear the news? They're carrying... I know why the caged bird sings. Well, I thought that was banned in 1960. I thought that book was banned in 1960. How could they do this? How could they do this? This is a, an outrage. This is the talk of the town, a controversial town talk of the... These are the books on here. They have the Great Gatsby in the banned book section. They have genderqueer. I don't even know what that is. They have a Kurt Vonnegut book. I can't even see. They have the book Mouse, you know, about like the Nazi mice, whatever that weird book. I don't know. Some, I think a, probably a Jewish person. They have Lord of the Rings in the banned book section. In I, I'm like, dude, I have a banned book section on my computer of PDFs. And I, it's like barely, I'm trying to build it up. And I'm actually probably going to go back to building up just a folder of eBooks. Because they're ridiculous. I found these this book series, this three-volume book series called Adolf Hitler, Bolshevik, and Zionist. So it's a book about Adolf Hitler being a Bolshevik and a Zionist. And it's fun. There's this one called Who Financed Hitler? Um, and it's not the one you're thinking of because there's a more popular one. This one is by James and Susan Poole. You can find all of these on, I found them on Libgen. It's called libgen.is. You can get all of these PDFs. Um, Origin of Freemasonry. The Controversy of Zion. How about that? For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. That's the subheading? I don't even know. These books are insane. But you got to read them as entertainment and, and, they're, and then they're like, why? you're like, this is, it's a lot of fun. The International Jew by Henry Ford. I kept sharing that banned books thing and I said, but where's the International Jew? Like they don't carry banned books. That's what's so annoying what is this one? Um, the hoax of the 20th century. I think you know what that one's about. Think about it. And finally, how could we forget the protocols of the elders of Zion? The learned elders of Zion, mind you. That's all I got so far. I really should go back to collecting these because it's so... And I wish I had physical copies. And that is what these bookstores are missing. The old bookstores, they don't carry them. They get rid of them. They burn books. It's the bookstores burning the books. They just toss them. They'd be worth, they, they are worth a lot of money. If you go on Amazon, you try to get physical copies of these books, a lot of these books, they're like sometimes hundreds of dollars. So I love when I can get my hands on them. Anyway, this this book sale was awesome. And it had this hill dog book. <clears throat> I'm probably only going to do an hour because it's Saturday night and I am exhausted. I woke up on the weekend. I didn't drink last night. I just vibed out. I chilled with my woman. And I woke up. This morning, Saturday morning at 8 a.m. to set out on a journey to Connecticut, to Newtown, Connecticut, where that thing happened, probably. And it was a, it was so worth it. 120,000 books. Oh my God. This is what I wanted to talk about to start. Isn't that funny? You remember at the way beginning, I was like, well, I do have one topic that I want to discuss that I, I, I am ready to discuss. And now we're at 34. Four and a half minutes, and we're going to start talking about that. I'm an avid tennis fan, and if you're not, you 
You don't have to be. And I'm not even going to try to make a case for it. It's something that once you like it, you love it. There's no just liking it. There's certain sports like this. I mean, there's lots of things like this. There's certain... It, it's like if you like reading political philosophy, then you love reading political philosophy. And there's no... You'll read anyone. You'll read... Machiavelli, you'll read Rousseau, you'll read Hobbes, you'll read Plato. It's all good because you like that thing a lot. There's no like, I kind of like that. It's No one kind of likes tennis. You either watch all... You either watch all the majors or you watch all the majors and you watch the, the regular season. I don't watch the regular season. I'm not, I don't like it that much. But I watch the majors. We're at Wimbledon right now, which is one of the best ones. It's really fast because they play on grass and the ball slides a little bit. So the ball goes faster. The ball travels faster. Usually on a hard court, there's a little bit of sand. You've been on a tennis court before. Well, you, you'll notice that it's not like concrete and it's not the paint seems to have like a little like scratchiness to it. That's sand. The sand slows the action a little bit, just a little bit. Clay slows it a lot. Clay is the slowest surface, and they slide around, so that's fun to watch. Grass is the fastest. I know this is a little... This is not what you're accustomed to hearing on the podcast here, but there's a point, There's a point, and it will be on brand. But let me just give you a little tennis rundown. I know you don't like tennis. I know you think it's boring. I know you're going through something right now, okay? I'm not trying to convince you to watch tennis. It's a great sport. It's so good. I'm not trying to persuade you. The momentum swings are colossal. You've never seen anything like it. Nadal down two sets. Early. We're only an hour and a half in. He's down two sets, 6-2, six, 6-2. Two, six, two. How's he going to dig himself all out, out of this hole? And then he wins a break in the third set. Whoa. Okay, crowd's getting into it. Could this be? He wins a second break in the third set. Now he's up 5-2. He's serving it out. He serves it out. It's now 2-1. But we know who's in control of this match. Rafa might be down two sets to one, but he's in charge right now because the ties have turned. And it doesn't matter if he has a torn abdominal muscle. I'm telling you, it's a, such a good sport. But don't you don't have to watch it. I'm not trying to convince you to watch it. I'm not trying to persuade you to watch it. You don't have to watch it. And you do what you want, and you live your own life the way that you'd like to do that. <clears throat> I have to set the stage a little bit more. There's two players. We remember what happened with Djokovic, and I talked about it, and you probably know what happened with Djokovic because that became more of a national news story than just a sports news story because Djokovic was barred from playing at the Australian Open because he is not vaccinated. So they didn't let him play, and then they kind of detained him it was a very light detaining, which a nation is entitled to do to foreigners. They're entitled to do that. They didn't throw him in jail or anything. You know, they could have been a lot worse. Sure. But they were huge dicks about it. But obviously everyone ESPN has become like MSNBC and the S stands for sports. That's ESPN is MSNBC and the S stands for sports, but it's the same thing. It's just an extension of liberal media. How did that happen? I have no idea. How does it continue to work? Because it's monopoly, at least on cable news. And a lot of people in, in, in all regards, when it comes to politics or entertainment, are moving away from cable television. But if you're still doing that in sports holds people in those, you know, in Verizon Fios or whatever, live TV, 
I mean, you could just do it through Hulu or whatever, but it holds people in live TV because that's the only way to watch sports, really. You can't... You still got to pay. I hate that about sports. At this point, they should figure out something new. <clears throat> anyway, all that happened with Djokovic and... Everyone on ESPN was like, I can't believe he's doing this. It happened in basketball. It was Kyrie. It was at the beginning, I think it was KD as well. Was it KD? It was someone else. There was a few players, Ben Simmons, I think, and they were just trashing him. I, it was like Stephen A. It's S9, S10, S11 that they, they're not getting this vaccine. It's ridiculous. They could be saving the world. And... Um, Everyone, it, they, they just know. They, they follow the party line. For some reason, it's just a political network. It's a strange phenomenon that that would happen to ESPN. It is Disney. It's still strange that that would happen. He's in the final now, tomorrow. The Wimbledon final. And I'll probably post this tomorrow morning. So it'll be the day of when you hear this. If you listen, the day it comes out. The other player across from him is the bad boy of tennis, Nick Kyrgios, who is a firebrand. And he um, is an asshole, but I like him. He's like Terrell Owens level asshole. He's just, and it's, it's weird in tennis. You haven't really seen anything like it since John McEnroe, which was decades ago. Side note, John McEnroe, the greatest tennis announcer ever. So no one likes Kyrgios really, but all of a sudden people like Kyrgios because he's the most talented player in the world probably. The only one maybe who's as talented, the only two are Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic, who you probably heard of. I'm guessing you haven't heard of Nick Kyrgios. But he's always been undisciplined, and he doesn't really care that much, which I don't mind because that's the kind of athlete that I would be. I remember hearing stories, and I don't know if they're true, but hearing stories about, like, Jay Cutler, who was an NFL quarterback, and he would just, like, like rip bogues, and he just, like, didn't really give a fuck. He'd get, like, fucked up on the weekends. You know, or like during the week, whatever. He just like didn't care that much. And people were he's never going to bring his team to the next level if he continues to behave this way and he doesn't take it seriously enough. I'm like, who cares? He makes tens of millions of dollars. He's accomplished his goal in life. His goal in life might not be to win a Super Bowl. You wear a suit and go on TV and talk about what other athletes should do. Maybe they don't share the same goals as you because you wish you could win a Super Bowl. You wish you could just be in the NBA or the NFL, but you can't. You always wanted that, but you settled for talking about it on TV. That's okay. But don't tell Nick Kyrgios that he needs to take this more seriously. The dude's doing really well in life. He has millions of dollars. He clearly really enjoys his life. At this point, I mean, he was dealing with some shit, but at this point, so just don't be an asshole. Don't try to tell people how to live just because they're in the public eye. You can. That's fine. Just seems like a waste of time. So this is the battle. And it's going to be such a good match, I think, and I hope. And there's a crazy thing that happened. Novak never liked Kyrgios. The big three don't like Kyrgios. The reason being is that they are like respect the game guys. The big three are Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer. Of course you know Roger Federer. Everyone knows Roger Federer. And Novak Djokovic, the three greatest tennis players who ever lived. And they all played at the same time. And so was, this has been the golden era of tennis, which is coming to an end. They all have a lot of respect for the game. They're those types. They decided, I want to achieve greatness in this way. They decided that it wasn't enough to make millions of dollars through the game. They wanted to break records 
and they all pushed each other. And that's what they decided to do, and that's okay too. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. And the thing is that the three of them never really liked Kyrgios because of his antics and the way that he behaves. Well, something crazy happened. And especially Djokovic did not like him at all. They had, there was a lot of tension between them. They've only ever played two matches against each other. But in one of them, Novak lost, Novak lost both of them. And in one of them, he got so angry, smashed his racket and stuff. He was clearly getting so frustrated because he really didn't want to lose to this guy. Well, something amazing happened during this whole Australia debacle. Everyone in the sports world turned their back on Novak, especially everyone in the tennis world turned their back on Novak. Wait, who's that? Who's that standing up publicly for Novak? Who is that saying that him not being allowed to play or be allowed into Australia for not being vaccinated is wrong? Who is that? It's Nick Kyrgios, dude. Nick Kyrgios, the only guy during that whole ordeal, pretty much in the sports world, mainstream, or in the sport itself, the only person who publicly stood up for Novak, and all of a sudden, they're buddies. It's a beautiful story. It's really like, Lots of people have experienced this if you've been on our side. Not that it has to be sides. But if you felt a certain way about this pandemic from the beginning, you found new allies. And you've made friends out of enemies in some cases. People you didn't think you liked. This turns out to be a big thing to have in common. It's not like, oh, you're an, you're an Eagles fan? I'm an Eagles fan. It's not like that. This is a lot bigger. I forget who coined the phrase. Shit. And I forget exactly what the phrase is. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to butcher it. It's just some guy who was like smart said, and it, it was a while ago. Okay. It was a guy a while ago and he was smart. And he said, there comes a time where, you, you, you're going to have to make a big no. There comes a time where there's going to be a no. And it's going to really inconvenience your life. And you're going to have to make the decision to make the no. You don't have to say no. You can't say yes. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Where like you need to be selective about when you're going to be defiant or um, resistant to things. You need to pick and choose your battles. But there's going to be a time where there's going to be your no. And, it, you know, it, like it factors into the whole, the, the, the type of person, not, I, you always, it always comes to that comparison. So I'll just make a different comparison. The type of person who is like pushing people to get vaccines, laughing at people who die, who are unvaccinated, that type of person would have been the one ratting on their neighbor in Soviet Russia, sending them to the gulag. Same person, because they, they missed that no. It, it's an equally big no. Perhaps not equally big because the stakes aren't as high and they aren't throwing unvaxxed people into the gulag yet. Let's hope they continue not to. But when you find someone else who also did that big no, that is more of a, that is such a bonding. It's bigger than, than a lot of things to have in common. So it was, it's just been so funny to watch them getting interviewed by each other, like by the, the press and talking about each other where like the press didn't really know about it until this week the the tennis press so they uh, assumed like as things were gearing up people were asking curious like oh there's like a lot of tension between you and Novak and he's like actually there's not we're kind of friends now because I stood up for him during the whole Australia thing also Nick Kyrgios is Australian and Novak too when he got um 
interviewed was like, yeah, no, I actually like we're buddies. We're actually buddies now. Like Novak earlier in the week texted him and was like, hey, great match. Like after Kyrgios won a match, he was like, great match. Hope to see you on Sunday. Meaning I hope to see you in the finals. So it's just, it's like a very wholesome story. It's a very wholesome story. I'm watching Pardon, no, 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 it wasn't, hold on. It was Around the Horn, which is like the worst. It used to be such a good sports show. A lot of these shows used to be good and they used to be watchable. And I would say since Black Lives Matter happened, they're no none of them are watchable anymore. Just, just watch Jason Whitlock on his show, but that's not on ESPN. Just the only, or watch Barstool, but ESPN sports talk shows are unwatchable, and it's sad, and I don't like it. And it's sad. But you, I guess it's a waste of time either way. So I guess perhaps it's a blessing in disguise. It's like, why are you watching people talk about sports? Isn't it bad enough the hours you spend watching the sports themselves? Must you watch people discuss them? Anyway, it was at work and it was on the TV. And it was Around the Horn, which is a show where there's four people and they compete against one another. And then there's a guy, Tony Reale, who gives them points if they make good points and they make a good argument for whatever the topic that they're discussing. And they go around the horn to all four of the people. It used to be kind of fun when I was younger and now it's just horrible. And this was just such a good example of it because I'm a big tennis fan. None of the people who go on around the horn are big tennis fans, or maybe like one or two. But like, even a lot of sports analysts don't like tennis or don't watch it. They ask about this final matchup that's coming up. Because besides the story... (coughs) Sorry, I'm losing it. Besides either story, the fact that they're friends now, or the fact that Kyrgios is an asshole and Novak Novak is unvaxxed. Novaxxed. 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 Novak is Novax. Besides that, they're also, right now, the two best players in the world. Like, playing absolutely at the top of their game. It is going to be some of the best tennis, I think ever at Wimbledon. It's just like such a good matchup. It's so good. You don't have to watch it. I'm not trying to persuade you. They go around the horn and first they go to Sarah Spain and Sarah Spain is the worst of them. It used to be that Jamel Hill was the worst of them, but Jamel did the respectable thing. Credit to her. She just moved to politics. She's a political commentator now. It's like, uh, you know, Olbermann, Keith Olbermann, the most unhinged white man in America. Someone take his phone away. He is, but it's funny, but he's, dude, go, go on Twitter and look at Keith Olbermann's Twitter. It's, it's a disaster. It is, it's, it's, It's a five-year-long mental breakdown is what it is. It's a five-year-long, every day is a mental breakdown. It's wild. It's so funny. And he used to be a sports guy, but he just switched. He's like, I'm just going to be a political. I like talking about politics. I'm switching to be a political analyst. And he just changed. So good on you, Keith. At least in that regard. And Jamel, Jamel Hill. All they would talk about, she had a show with like Michael Smith, I think was his name. I forget what the name of their show was, but even that show for a time was decent. Pre-BLM, it was decent. And then Jamel Hill just went off the deep end. And then clearly there was a discussion between her and the executives at ESPN. And they both came to an agreement that like, 
I don't think it was bad blood or anything. I think they were like, you like talking about politics. Why don't you move in that direction? It'll be better for your career. Sarah Spain is someone who decided not to do that. And maybe it's just based on the things she says, I think it's just because she knows nothing about politics and has very dumb ideas about politics. But so does Jamel Hill and she made a career out of it. So Sarah, if you're listening, you can make a career out of it. You don't have to know what you're talking about. You already do that with sports. So Sarah, it starts with her, and she goes, well, I just don't know who to root for in this because they're both villains. They're both villains. This is what she says. Her whole analysis of this Wimbledon final match is that, well, I don't know who to root for because they're both villains. And she's, I don't know, she's some like dykey looking a little, you know. I'm not sure if she's a lesbian, but she, I wouldn't be surprised. They're both villains, so I don't know who to root for. That's her analysis of it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is such trash. And I, I didn't even, I really, I, and 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 in a, in such a naive way, I actually thought they were going to just talk about either the fact that they're friends now, and that's a nice story, or the fact that they're both absolutely crushing it at tennis right now, like so much fun to watch. And she goes. Well, he didn't get the vaccine, and so he's a villain, and Nick Kyrgios is a jerk, so he's a villain, and I don't know who to root for. And then they go around the horn to these other retards, and they all say that, I think Sarah's right, and I don't know who to root for either because they're both villains that one is the, did not get the science in him. And then uh, it's and Nick's uh, he's mean to people. Nice points. That's points. <laughs> Tony Reale, oh, you're so right. They're both villains. Yeah, man. Yeah, I believe in the infinite, man. They're both villains. Bing, 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 bing. You get points for that. Oh, tell me again that Novak's unvac. Novak's. Tell me about Novak's. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Give him more points. Yeah, man. This is like what the show is, and they I, they did not, it made me so mad. They went, all four of them spoke, and none of them, none of them talked about tennis. None of them talked about tennis. They didn't even mention tennis. None of them. This is what ESPN is now. I used to have a joke. <laughs> because this was what ESPN was for about four or five years. ESPN would be like, <clears throat> hey, so uh, the Miami Heat played against the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz scored some points. Miami Heat scored some points. In the end, the Utah Jazz scored more points and they won the game. Now on to another story. We go to South Bend. Indiana, where little James is four years old, loves to play wiffle ball. His favorite athlete, Bryce Harper. James is a lot like other kids in many ways. But there's one thing about James that sets him apart from his peers. Unfortunately, James has leukemia. That was, I used to have a joke about it, that for five, four or five years, pre-BLM and post whatever was before that, it, it was Cancer Center. It was not Sports Center, it was Cancer Center. They'd be like, yeah, they played some baseball, whatever. Hey, this kid has cancer in California. And Mike Trout shook his hand. Every single story. Because that guy who was like the coach of that Indiana college team, I forget. And he was super inspirational. Awesome guy. I'm not saying he's not an awesome guy. I forget his name. And he made that speech like at the ESPYs or something, that really famous speech. And he's like, never give up hope or whatever. I'm not like, I, that guy, he's great. He's great. When he died, it became like a part of, of Sports Center, like that they would always highlight these stories about people battling cancer, but it became the whole show. 
every, every time, every day, Sports Center. It was like 20 minutes of sports, 40 minutes of cancer. Run it back. And now they replaced cancer with politics and science. It's like Colin Kaepernick and that's what Sports Center is now. Anyway, I'm at an hour. And I was battling. I was battling that game. This pod, I was battling. I was like Rafa in the semifinal. I mean the quarterfinal. I was like Rafa in the quarterfinal. I don't know why I said quarter like that. See, I'm getting by the brain again. I hope you enjoyed this. It was a little bit different. We talked about sports. It's not usually something that we do. I told you about Cancer Center. I hope you thought that that was a funny thing. And maybe now you'll watch Sports Center a little bit differently if you watch that. You don't have to watch the 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 Wimbledon final. I mean, I'm going to post this and it'll probably have already happened by the time you listen to it. So you don't have to watch it. Maybe you missed it. You don't have to watch the U.S. Open, which is happening at the end of July. You don't have to watch that. I'm not trying to persuade you to watch it. You do whatever you want. But it's the best sport. Thank you for listening as always, and I love you. Bye.